This is The Blue Nuns Need an Elevator. It's a story in three parts about Nigerian nuns who run a crisis pregnancy center in Illinois. Kind of. They just need an elevator. The story comes from a conversation I had with their leader in her office. It's a room on the first floor of a hundred-year-old, monstrous, long-neglected building where the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Mother of Christ, live and do their work. There was nothing in this room except a desk, two chairs, a recorder between us, and unfortunately, at times, the hum of a very loud air conditioner. So maybe could we start with who you are and what your role is here? Okay. Um, My name, my full name is Mary Theonila Chukwu. This is Sister Mary Theonila Chukwu. She's known as Sister Theo, and when we talked... She was in charge of all the North American sisters in her religious community, which is actually based in Nigeria. But I grew up seeing them around my town. We all called them the blue nuns because they wore these bright, rich, blue-hued habits. In a world where nuns of pop culture wore black, maybe white, these women stood apart. The bright blue is hard to explain. It's more blue than the Tiffany's color, deeper than Robin's egg, It's this warm color blue, which is actually indicative of the nature of these women. They're warm and inviting. And I remember they were always smiling. And they drove cars, which I thought was hilarious. I guess I thought nuns couldn't drive. Anyway, their habits were blue. And that's basically all we knew about them. And the name of your order is? The full name is Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mother of Christ. Also known as the Blue Nuns. What is, what is the significance of, the, of this color? Um, well, first of all, you will say most of our lady is identified with the blue. And our congregation is a Marian congregation, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. However, our main habit is white. Because in other countries, particularly countries in Africa, we use white. But because of the weather here, we needed something thicker. <laughs> thicker because these nuns live in Freeport, Illinois. It's in the northern part of the state, basically Wisconsin, where it's winter from November to April. Bitter winter. Tell me about more about your order. Because I, I know that within different orders, mm-hmm. there are different practices. And- yes, it's like having different schools. You know, that you have different schools. They go, they take the same SAT exams. Mm. They, they are hoping to get to college, you know, but each school is different, you know. And Just like each school is different in fulfilling similar goals, each religious order has its own particular emphasis for fulfilling the same goal. So the goal is the same. The goal is heaven. The goal is to serve in order to emphasize a particular aspect of Christ Jesus. You know, we realize Christ did so many things while on earth. And if you want to put your hand in everything, you may not do everything well for everybody, you know? So, for instance, for our religious community, the core reason for our foundation is the compassion of Christ, that his heart went out, you know, for people, for the poor, uh, for the marginalized, for women, that his heart went out, reached out for them. So, The mission of this religious order is stated on their website as, quote, Through our religious consecration and religious profession, 
we carry out diverse apostolic work to uplift the status of women, to promote Christian education in schools, to provide health care for the sick, to engage in social and pastoral activities and other works of charity in keeping with our charism of compassion, end quote. This mission of theirs can be traced back to Nigeria in 1937 when their order was founded by a missionary named Archbishop Charles Heary. Missionaries started coming to Africa in the late 1800s as a part of colonization. Charles Heary came from Ireland to the southern part of Nigeria, but he was very different than the missionaries that came before him. Because before then, the first missionaries that arrived came in, you know, everything they did not understand was bad. We played the instrument, they said, oh my goodness, that must be some demonic something. And he said, we need to understand their culture in their context. We don't need to turn them upside down. We don't need to turn their culture or reject their culture, not import our own culture and impose it on them anyway. Charles so Heary anyway, was interested in preserving the culture. He also recognized something significant about the women in the local community. So he, what he realized is that it was a, a male world. Most of the women were in the background. They may work hard, they may do all kinds of things, but the men made the decisions. So, he called so Charles Heary called his fellow missionaries and advocated for this culture and the women who are the backbone of the community. He, he told them that if we want the church to survive, we cannot leave the women behind. He said, you leave the women, the church will never survive in Africa. So his emphasis was then on the women, the growth of the local women, what they do, helping empower them, start little trades, help them, you know, navigate through life better. And then, and then Charles leaves for a pilgrimage, and he spends a trip praying and felt that God was calling him to begin an indigenous religious community. Who understand every aspect of this culture and then understand the faith the Christian faith fully well in order to be able to lift their people instead of us standing from a distance and then imposing rules and regulation on things we don't even know what it is about. And where did Charles Heary start? With the women. From then, our foundation was late, I mean. And you have Irish roots. Oh, they, they ask me and I tell them I'm Irish. Everybody looks at me like, oh, what? <laughs> So to recap, this story you're hearing, it's told by a Nigerian Irish nun who leads the North American branch of her religious order of nuns, all Nigerian Irish like herself, in Illinois. And the habits they wear are blue, so locally they're known as the blue nuns. Great. Now, how did these Irish Nigerian nuns come to find themselves in the United States? I would say, I think it's Providence because one of our sisters had visited um, Texas. Her younger sister lived in Texas. So for many years, they have not seen her. They kept pleading that she come for a vacation in Texas. And eventually she was granted kind of a sabbatical after many years. And so she stayed in Texas with them in Houston. When she stayed in that community, she got involved in the local life of the community, in the church and all that. They liked her a lot. They asked her to open a convent there and bring her sisters and leave. They said, we want your religious community around us to be a good influence on our children and whatever. She eventually gave them the contact of our superior general. He said, 
if you are serious, talk with her. They went and called her superior general. You know, she kept asking them questions, trying to make them understand that it has a process. They wouldn't give up. So they wrote 10 letters to 10 dioceses, introducing our religious community and sharing our, their experiences of our sister with these dioceses. And the first response that came was from Bishop Doran of Rockford. So by 98, our sisters arrived in Rockford. So they by coincidence, that same year, an old school, which was formerly a Catholic hospital, still owned by the diocese, closed in Freeport. It's a town half an hour from Rockford. Bishop Doran of Rockford wanted to find a property for this order of sisters from Nigeria by way of Texas to give them, as Sister Mary Theo puts it. Give us something to start with, something that I will call our own. And so, they moved in. Sister Mary Theo's own story of coming into the sisterhood began at a young age. So young, in fact. Ask my mother, she would tell you it started in the womb. When I was growing up, I, I kind of saw nuns around. I know they were special. I felt they were close to God, you know? So I loved nuns a lot. So by the time I was five, everything I did, I said was, I want to be a nun. So one day- Around that time, a teacher approached Mary and asked her what she would be doing as a nun. And little Mary, who I'm sure was quite the precocious child, responded. And I said, oh, so many things. I'll be praying for everybody and I'll be taking everybody to God. And she said, yeah, I know every day you say you want to be a nun. That's okay. But nuns can be something else too. Now, this felt like cognitive dissonance to Mary. But one morning, she looks up, sees an airplane, and makes a connection. Usually when I saw airplanes, I thought the airplane, when it disappears, it was going to heaven. You know? <laughs> it disappears in the sky. For me, it has gone to the presence of God. So I got up that morning and I said to my teacher, I know what I will do as a nun. I said, what? I'll be a pilot. A pilot. Like a flying nun, if you can believe it. Kind of like that old TV show with Sally Field. And the teacher asks, why? I will go and take people and I will fly them straight to heaven. And they will go and see God and they will come back. Everybody thought it was childish dreams. You know, she will overgrow it. But it was solid. Keep in mind, Sister Theo is currently six in this story. But by the time she was in high school, she still remembered her fondness for the nuns and wanted to go to a boarding school where sisters teach the students like life skills, job skills. She just wanted to be closer to the faith and the order. But her dad wouldn't allow it, which was really confusing to her because her parents were, in her words, very Catholic. They wanted it to be my decision. And I couldn't understand why they wouldn't let me go. You know... I told my dad one day, I said, I can't, I can't believe that my own parents wouldn't let me go to become a sister. For years, they fought about this, and she could not understand. And then one day, around two in the morning, Mary's dad woke her up, sat her down, and he said, It pains me that I'm doing this, that I'm blocking you from stepping into what you want to do with your life. 
And he said, I'm only scared. I said, Dad, what are you scared about? And he said, because there was one thing about me, by the time I was five years old, I loved kids. Anywhere they said somebody had given birth, and besides looking at this child, admiring this child so much, loving this kid, and I will see it, I want to carry that baby. So, my dad said, the way you love babies, I'm just scared. I don't want you to grow up at a point and begin to regret that you don't have your own kid. That's the pain that is in my heart right now. But I said, Dad, if I become a nun, I will have more children than I would have had when I married. Every child I encounter become my child. The first time I saw my dad cry. But he's still not convinced. He thinks she is still too young. So he makes her a deal. He says, you need to go to university, finish your exams, and then... By the time you finish university and you still want this, you will go. I went into my room and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. For two days I wouldn't eat. I was bent on becoming a sister. I wanted to be a sister by all means. By all means. She was not kidding about that. She devises a plan. See, each time she got a vacation from school, Mary's older sister would pick her up from her parents' house to come visit her nieces and nephews. So, Sister Mary Theo uses this to her advantage. Two days later, I got up and told my dad, okay, I'm going to my sister. She said, why not wait for her? She normally picks you up. I said, Dad, I can go. So I got my things ready. They did not know. I washed all my school things, those of them, bed sheets and all that that were still good. I washed and ironed all of them, folded them, I got them ready. That morning, I left for the convent. And she never looked back. Kind of brazen, right? Wanting to be a nun so badly, you're willing to lie to your parents and run away to a convent. It's bold. Mary Theonilla Chuku, the young girl who dreamed of being a pilot nun and now is a runaway nun, was on her way to fulfill this dream. Now, eventually she did finish university several times. Yeah, I finished uh, in Nigeria. I went to school as a teacher. So I taught for many years, was a principal of a school in Ghana. Then I did bachelor's degree in psychology from the College of Notre Dame of Maryland. And then... I went to uh, Seton Hall University to do master's in mental health counseling. And then she ends up in Illinois, running the North American branch of her religious order. But I'm very sorry to tell you, no pilot's license. Coming up on the next installment of The Blue Nuns Need an Elevator. The selling of the property somehow disturbed me more than I could ever imagine. In my heart, it seemed so wrong. The whole room first went silent, and then was you know, blotted out and so mad, so angry. What are you up to? We don't understand you. He talked and talked and talked and talked, and as he talked, I cried. 
each time somebody picked up the thing, he said, oh, so where's the, what's the women empowerment program? I said, I don't know. But it has to be there, you know? To listen to part two, subscribe to my Substack at leslieeilerthompson.substack.com and you'll get an email as soon as it's out.